Well, you know, it is. Eleven o'clock, Arizona time. And I was, I really was, getting ready to go to sleep. Oh, thought I was anyway, but as usual, I laid up here. And didn't... started thinking <laughs> and uh you know the thing is i uh here lately been um not reminiscing but thinking since i started doing this i figured i'm gonna tell a story and i like to start telling st- stories about me first um before i get to this other issue with the uh medical but um about and, and I never really lived in the past. I remembered it, but I usually kept going. You know, I used to uh, think of the people who always every weekend played that music from back in the day, you know. Uh, doing the same thing they did back in the day, getting together Friday night, playing the cards. There's nothing wrong with that every now and again. But I think um, I uh, more or less moved. I moved away from all that because, I mean, even when I was there, we got with a group and played. Me and Joan played a group with... uh, Greg and his wife and their family, and it was part of uh, uh, Jones' family too, some of the girls. But, well, you know, we played cards like that thing, but it was, that was just that it played cards, had the those suppers played at different places. And I even remember now, thinking about that, uh, Greg's wife had, this was during the time with the uh, VHSs, VHS quarters where you know, they, like I was saying, we patronized the thieves, and they, uh, this was <laughs> doing a crack era as well. So the the card game, I guess, was by our house, and um, I'm not even sure where that was. Somewhere in, uh, yeah, we was actually in the Lower Ninth Ward, right on Florida Avenue, in those apartments, oh, right before Caffin some one-story apartments, you know. And we caught a game was there, and she came there, uh, met her husband there, and they had to stop at the store to get some things before she got there, you know, as far as, you know, snacks while we played cards. And uh, came in there, proud of the, showing the box that she got, you know, a VHS new box and everything, and proud that she got it for $20, I believe, 20 or $30. I mean, because the damn things at the time when it was coming out, it was what two, three hundred dollars. A cheap one was costing a hundred and fifty. So she <laughs> opened a box, and first somebody said, "Damn, this is a heavy one." <laughs> opened the box up, and it was full of bricks. <laughs> but you know, and that's that's just one of them some things I never actually thought about again. The, until I mentioned this, but, you know, I, I mean, as far as the music we used to play back then, you know, the Betty White, 
Betty Wright and <laughs> Betty White. Betty Wright, you know, um God, I can't even go on now with all of these dudes that you know, not it, the music we play, but it was that style of music we get down to. Um God damn the dude did Freddie uh not fucking before Luther <laughs> But uh, Luther was in there too, you know, because that was in uh had to be in the uh, '80s. But um, we, uh, I never, you know, really spent a lot of time uh, playing that music. I I always enjoyed some of the modern music that was going on. I I didn't hate all rap. It was, you know. It was some of it I did hate, you know, especially the violent rap and the uh, the degrading of all, you know, any kind of people in a sense with rap, you know. And I mean, just straight up, the body counts that came with rap. But anyway, I, I, I just went into particular different music, a whole lot of different music. I went, went with music was good, you know. I didn't limit myself to just, and I know a lot of people, none of us do limit ourselves to black, just black music. Cause hell, a lot of these artists come along and we think they're black and they're not black. Hell, Justin Bieber put out that fucking tune and I still hate myself from liking it. Popping my fingers, damning with it, singing that shit until... Michael had to tell me it was it, Justin Amy. But anyway, that was just one mistake in my life. <laughs> and uh but anyway, I I, you know, went around and enjoyed uh different music. I tried different music. Um and you know, if I liked it I listened to it on occasion. I used to collect the albums and stuff. You know, and I collected more or less for the money value, you know. And all the albums I collected, I actually made about mm, $500 off them. <laughs> and collected them, oh, God, they must have had about $200, uh, 200 albums. Different ones from years, you know. And that's the music I kept around. That's how I remember music. And played it on occasion because I did have a turntable and stuff. But, uh, you know, as a person who sat there and, you know, lived in the past, no, I lived with the past in, as I moved forward. So, I mean, as I gathered new things and I went out and saw new things and shit, some of the shit I seen, you know, by, and I'm sure a lot of people say, you know, I, I can do this, listen to this, and then still do that and do it. You know, but I'm not one of those persons who could actually you know, sit around, have a beer every weekend and then call myself because, you know, I mean, I do, I do that in different places and I don't do it in different places. I mean, because I tried drinking beers, you know, I mean, and I just, being beer just don't get along, so. Or liquor, as a matter of fact. And, uh, but I had a beer, what? Maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe last month, maybe for the New Year's. That's when I had a beer. But anyway, I never sit around, around <laughs> trying to reminisce about things. And uh, so I was just sitting here thinking about uh, back in the day, you know, my mom and my dad. 
And, you know, my dad is just a person I love to fucking death, you know. It's because of him I think I survived so long and made it through a lot of the difficult shit, you know, that would have knocked the motherfucker on his ass or would have just ran back home, tucked tail. And, you know, I don't never think I ran back home. I ran, I didn't, I ran away from things, but I went back home where I found comfort, you know, even though despite all the crimes and shit, I could get around that. But it was just so fucking draining getting around there. And uh, this is after I left. So, but anyway, uh, you know, I was just thinking about my mom and my dad and uh, whether I was, you know, how I was going to talk about my dad. And, you know, it's one of the things I want to talk about. But the thing is, I remember back in the day how, you know, the women, because I was going to say, you know, yeah, my daddy was a real motherfucker. But then I started thinking, you know, wait a minute. You know, I know they call men a motherfucker now and mean that, you know, he's a fucking bastard. He go out there fuck shit. You know, like he don't care. I'll do this or do that. Just a motherfucker don't care about nothing. Steal or hustle or he just a motherfucker. Uh, I mean, not in the sense that, you know, uh, They they say that about thieves, you know, you call a fucking thief a thief, but you know, women or uh people tend to call a man who <laughs> who get around a motherfucker. But that's today. But back in the day, you know, uh, they didn't use that term. I remember that, you know, in the sixties. My mom used to, you know, and dad, you know, even when they was um mad, I never heard her call him a motherfucker. Uh she screamed, yelled, all kind of shit, but wouldn't say motherfucker, you fucker, you, you fucker. But it was never motherfucker. And I can't say I ever heard many of them women, my mama age and generation, call their men motherfuckers. It was just something you didn't tell a black man back then. But, you know, time changed. But anyway, my thing is... uh <laughs> this all started out with me thinking or about to talk about my dad. And, you know, again, because of him, I think I am today. Uh, and, you know, despite the fact that I might be a little crazy, you know, admittedly, and I mean, fuck everybody crazy. And if you say you're not, <laughs> you really fucking crazy. <laughs> but I um, wanted to talk about my dad, you know, and uh, God, he's such a big influence on my life, you know, and he's the one who actually told me to go out there, you know, go, go, man, go. Go see, go, go see this world, man, because I told him I didn't want to leave, and he told me, man, go. But, you know, my first memory of my dad was, uh, God, my first memory is actually sitting on the porch up on, right off on Conti Street, right off Galvis, 
cool cozy was right around the corner. That's where my dad worked. There was many days we used to have to call a fucking cozy searching for my dad, you know, because that, that was his hustle at night. You know, he had his day job working on a river when shit was slow. You know, that came in handy. Uh, he, I'm sure he met a lot of women, you know, be, once I started working in bars, you know, being trying to follow my dad's footsteps in life. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I know all the shit that comes through bars, especially local bars. But then that was a pretty local bar, neighborhood bar, you know, as most black bars was back then. But that was cool, cozy. And God, we used to know the number by heart. And from an early age, <laughs> we used to sit up there, call it, call it cozy. And most of the time, you know, somebody answered that phone. And they knew us. And they, he not here. <laughs> and you're like, that fuck, I know he up there. And call it, call it, call it. Finally, he answered the phone. Tell your mama I'm working or whatever, you know. Uh, but that was the kind of game, you know, uh, it was like we had to call Cozy because, you know, the people wouldn't tell us he's not working. We know who it was. We know the lady and everybody. We know everybody who has the fucking phone at the Cozy. That was right around the corner from my Antonetta. And actually, it was that porch, my Antonetta. And it was uh, my grandfather lived there at the time. And I vaguely remember his, still remember his face. Older guy, grayish, these fucked up hands. And um, I remember my, my second memory is actually of him in his uh, coffin <laughs> when, and I had a suit. But my, you know, first memory is my that of my dad, you know, and I was sitting on a porch on the bottom rung of that porch, Lord, I think it was three, four steps, you know, with the old decorative scoops on the side of like little baby slides to a little circle on the bottom. And uh, I was sitting on that bottom step, little kid. Goddamn, mama had one in the hand, mother had two. I know if I was old enough to stand up and maybe be two, there was ear and behind me was one. And she had to have Billy in her arms or Zelda in her arms. And uh, it was... Uh, my dad had coming down the street, and he was in his white outfit. He was in the he was belonged to a tribe, you know, from up there around Corni Galvis Way, and I couldn't tell you the name of it. And he's talked about it for years, but uh, he uh, this picture been branded in my mind forever. And this man just my daddy, you know, coming down the street in this beautiful white. Uh, Indian outfit with all the feathers and rhinestones and shiny beads and shit and like fuck. And I ain't never seen my daddy dance like that. And he danced his ass up, working up a sweat. So black ass man inside that white costume. And it had to be heavy. But that my daddy walking down the street, dancing down the street to a tambourine, to the drum. People just following him like that's my daddy. And I was standing up dancing to it, you know, and he passed that came us and danced in front of the thing. He kept on down the street, you know. 
And I didn't know at the time, well, of course, I was a kid, but that was his last year of masking because that's what the white meant, you know. And I mean, fuck. Oh, that was a beautiful sight, you know, and I loved that man. And, you know, after, again, you know, my second memory was that of my grandfather in that house, in that first room, the living room, you know, everything going out. And he's up against, not up against the wall, he's, <laughs> he's laid out in the coffin. And um, he uh, <laughs> he was dead, laid out in the coffin. The window was up against the wall in that underneath that window, you know, out of the way because it was a shotgun house, a double, a shotgun double. And uh, Aunt Lorraine and her husband's dead on the other side, Jimmy or James or... That was a good dude, funny, funny, funny. And ain't uh, uh, ain't Janetta and Uncle Vernell stayed on the other side, and their kids, you know, and that's where the, our grandfather lived with them. But uh, you know, my daddy, you know, that was the that was the thing, and uh, you know, think about my dad. He uh tried his best. He, I mean, you know, we was in a project. Fuck, we didn't know how bad the project was. He knew. He was the one who gave us warning. Well, Mama gave us. <laughs> Mama's tried to shelter us, you know, not let us see what was out there pretty much. And I mean, we fucking couldn't help it. We lived right in the middle of the project. <laughs> All they had to do was open up the window or look out there. We could walk out there to go to school, shit. Walk through the jungle, but you know it was home. We didn't realize how bad it was and how bad it would be on the outside. Um, you know there was no escaping, but we always got that warning from our parents. And again, my mama was the one who tried to shelter us and always uh, keep us protective. You know, if something was to break out, she's the one who pull us. Now, don't get me wrong, my daddy would say. Uh, shit break out, you go the other fucking way. If you ain't involved in it, you go the other fucking way. If you involved in it, the weapon come out, you better get your ass away from this. Hey, you know, he said, because debt is forever. <laughs> he said, but, you know, more people, he used to say, more people die when by accident not be, not and not involved in the shit that goes on simply because they ran towards it. Say so don't be no dumbass and run towards shit. That was all he said. Mama said, run home, grab shelter, get everybody, grab your brothers now, you know, but you know, and then once you get home, close the window, lock the doors. You know, my dad just don't run from shit, you know, stand up for yourself, but don't run towards no shit. And uh make sure the <laughs> the friend you help is worth fighting for too, you know. Uh I'm going to fight for no friend just because of some bullshit. And I had to live that up to that one day. You know, and my friends called themselves ribbing me because, you know, I wouldn't fight because of some bullshit Clarence had started. I mean, you know, <laughs> Clarence was new to the group. I didn't like the motherfucker from the beginning. He thought, you know, he, he was constantly a fucking asshole to me. You know, so fuck Clarence. I wasn't about to fight over no damn weed that I had nothing to do with. And Clarence said, let somebody take, <laughs> or I think it was him and Charles, and they were talking in mouth. But you know, we never had no problem with nobody till Clarence come in. But anyway, let me get back to my dad. Uh, 
But, you know, my dad, you know, was the one who was uh, the one who, you know, made sure we didn't run from nobody. Nobody's, you know, don't want nobody to thank you for no make, no sucker, no punk, no no bitch-ass nigga. And um, it, it's, it was hard in the project, you know, because every, you know what I mean? They just had too many fucking obstacles up against you, you know, simply by walking out. <laughs> And like Capone, you know, I think I mentioned him before. <laughs> Capone was just terrorizing children. You know, him and the ones walked around with the half, the, the little silk drawers showing mount, matching silk with the penny loafer crew. That's what you call them. But a little fucking bunch of punks, you know, go out there, steal, sell drugs, sniff glue. Or I don't even think they sold drugs. It's just fucking stole, harassed kids and stole our money and shit, you know. And uh, Capone was one of the main ones, and you know he uh, he was a little into a little bit shit of everything as he got older. But he always bothered the fucking kids. I know I ran across him one day, and he took my fucking uh, wallet. I stopped carrying a wallet for a long time. Start hiding my money in my fucking sock. <laughs> and I just think about this, you know. We love home. We love where we grow up. But uh, that's one of the things. You know, we had to face, you know, besides going to fucking school and then have to face some of the idiots in school. Um, then, you know, you just had an assortment amount of bullies. People who had to, you know, thought they had to have reputation. But there was a lot of cool fucking people uh, and a lot of cool people I knew. So, you know, and then my brother, you know, he was fucking half crazy by the time. <laughs> By the time I got in high school and nobody wanted to fuck with me or him, you know, me because of him, you know. Uh, plus, you know, I was pretty cool. My family was somewhat pretty cool, so nobody really bothered. It took a, you know, really fucked up person and come fuck with, you know, just a lot of people, you know, uh, anybody. You know, and I mean, and you know, I not to say that I wasn't anybody. I was anybody ordinary in the project. Just had a big fucking family, which wasn't unusual in the project. But uh, my dad one time had um, had when we were little, little, small. You know, came from church and shit. Um, that was the time I, you know, it had to be before sometime before after when we was going to church we had to started going to church on our own ever leading us followed by Anna Melba did me and we going to church you know mama stopped going and we taking anybody who could walk maybe not all of them but the church and uh we see daddy we stop at the park at Samson Park and see daddy just racing in his old uh chocolate Chrysler Oh, bubble top Chrysler, and a police right behind him. <laughs> and we run home, and, you know, he come home a couple of hours later, you know, smiling and joking and shit, but my daddy was the best. He used to bring us candy, bag of candy. Oh, God, if you see him step out of his truck, he'll be coming down the driveway in that big old tractor trailer, park it there. And you hear him come in and going slow, maybe hit the horn a couple of times because the kids asked him. And we sitting out on the porch looking out the window to see what he step out the truck. And sometimes he wouldn't even step out the truck with the bag, you know. And then say, oh, shit, turn around and say, go get that bag out there. 
And they go get the bag out there, come out that big bag, or like a, one of them Swagman bags. Not full of candy, but it was closed up. It don't open it. Folded up nice, but you know it was some weight in there. I mean, he had 11 of us, fuck. But, uh, you know, he did that. And my dad would bring home fucking coons. He was the best cook in the world, I say. Um, he cooked for a lot of people. A lot of people knew he cooked. You know, he cooked the country style. He knew how to uh, cook Cajun style especially, but he knew how to demusk. He was raised in the country before going to Galveston, so he knew how to demusk animals. And he knew how to cook. Uh, he fucking knew how to cook. He was a cook in the Navy or working the galleys or something. And uh, But, you know, he had a... He loved cooking. He loved cooking all wild food, too. Any kind of food. Oh. I mean, and, and you know, when my dad cooked, it was like a lesson. Well, it was fucking magic. And that's where I get the term of cooking is magic. Uh, because, you know, my dad put time into cooking, you know. He didn't just cook, you know, and he cooked for a whole bunch of us. And we, when we, he cooked, when you know, we knew when he cooked, he was going to be work no fuck fucking weight so you know and here have us doing onions you know he'll show you how to cut the onions he showed everybody what he was doing actually was showing us how to cook i mean i believe each and every one of my brothers and sisters you know know how to cook it's you know my and not I, I just can't say they didn't because all he was doing was step by step showing us how to cook. You know, as, as we were small, he showed us how to cut onion, cut onion small, cut the bell pepper and everything. Everything got to be cut small into these little squares. And you got to be careful with this old rusty butcher knife we got, you know, and you got to sharpen it this way. Shh, 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 rubbing two of the knives together, you know, and, and, you know, he's showing us how to cook and how to take care of ourselves. And the seasonings to use, you know, and what you want to do with the salt and the taste of the food. And, uh, shit, uh, he, sometime he'll come home with uh, a fucking neutral, put it in the freezer, fucking still got his skin on it. Kawang, turtle, you know, I cook, I can cook. Fucking turtle. And I mean, I hadn't cooked it but once since my dad showed me how to cook it. And, uh, but I still remember how to cook it. And it's all part of a slow process. And what I mean is just, you don't rush into it. And that's what he always taught you to do. You don't cook by long distance, meaning you got to attend to your cooking when you do it. But he's from the old school. Uh, people would, like, like I said, would come to my dad and want to cook want him to cook his, their rabbits. And, um, you know, they'll go hunting out in the country, come back with some rabbits. And for every, if you want me to cook a rabbit for you, how many you got? Uh, I got three. Well, two of them for me and one for you. And they have to go get a uh, shit. Go get two more, go get another rabbit. Because, I mean, you know, but that was all he wanted was at least two. And he said, don't come here, man. You know, I got all these kids. I'm going to cook that rabbit and only one rabbit, you know, one rabbit. 
And usually, you know, they came there with a few rappers, but it was only a few people who would come there. Uh, and if it was somebody he really knew and really liked, and it was just a, you know, because there was a lot of single men, you know, black men in the project uh, who lived with people, lived with their family, who didn't cook like daddy cooked, you know, country style. I mean, anything, what I mean. And... Uh, they would come to my dad, ask him to give him a good country meal, cook it and cook this for him and bring it. And they would bring one and give my dad one and, you know, he'd cook it for him, you know. And he'd share it with, <laughs> he'd share it with my mom and who was ever around there uh, with him when it was cooking. I usually, I usually hung with my dad when it came time to cook him because that was one of the times that he was home. And that was one of the times he was open to be talked to about anything. And not that I t had to talk to him about anything important, but that was the time that he opened up about anything. And that's when you got to know who my dad was when he was cooking. Because he not only talked about cooking, he talked about other things. And he'll sit out there and you get to know how he feel about different things. That's how I knew not to disappoint my dad, by watching him, watching how he reacted to different things. Knowing, like, he'll sit cooking there, he'll read the paper, sitting at that kitchen window in his bedroom window, looking out at the world as he cook, and not worrying about anything. But as, you know, his kids out there playing, he's watching them, and he say, <laughs> he'll always end up shouting out the window or something, <laughs> calling, you goddammit, get the fuck You know, they done done something, you know. You're, you know, like, about to, hurt himself or doing something stupid hitting somebody you know because like he didn't believe in hitting you, you you hit somebody you get your fuck knocked out of you and you can't say shit and he was firm on that he didn't give a fuck if he saw you hit somebody for no fucking reason that was it you know and the thing is again my um dad he didn't believe in you running no 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 i mean don't get that idea uh, it, it, okay. One time, Everett was fighting down the driveway. Daddy wasn't around, I don't think, but big fight down the driveway. Well, not so big, but, you know, how they fight. You know, got to stand up there, pole, take a few swings at each other, hustle. If they're really trying to fight, they're getting into good. And I think they were getting into it pretty fucking good. Crowd coming around, a nice, thick crowd, and I'm even standing up there. And, uh, Next thing you know, my mama bust through the fucking crowd. <laughs> it was right down the driveway in front of the Beans house, right before that gap in the big driveway. I mean, in the big court where they, right, where they had the basketball goal at, right there at that pole. And uh, mama bust through there and grabbed Everett and fucking embarrassed the fuck out of him. He grabbed him by his collar, pulled his ass away, you know, even the dude he was fighting with. I think it was Doug. Big Doug, and uh, what's that boy fucking name? God damn it, can't think of his name. They stay right there on Desire too, right by the girl who had the truck, solo little sweet shop truck. But that's who he was fighting. I mean, they had to be 17 or so, 16, 17, maybe 15, 16, 17. And I mean, I was down there because, I mean, you know, I got to hang with everything. If he was 16, I mean, I had to be 12, yeah. By the time I was 11 years old, shit, I was up and down the driveway. Uh, when I was feeling good, not in the spinning world, hell, I was all underneath Everett. 
down there in the basketball court, down, you know, until I got out on my own, you know, and, uh, but she grabbed him, she embarrassed him, and then people were like, oh, and they laughed at him, teased him and shit all the way home. And um, I think that more than anything had um, brought out more violence in him because he fucking stopped taking shit from everybody. Women, men, boys, I mean, for a time, that that motherfucker started fighting and doing shit to prove how bad he was. You know, and I mean, I hung with him and I saw this shit, you know, and I had to fucking stop hanging with him because he was fucking violent. He was getting violent, really, really, you know, and I mean, you know, I was just entering, uh, uh, what was that, uh, Carver Jr. in the eighth grade. So, you know, I uh, actually started making new friends by even going further away from school, you know, because I never went to Edwards. I spent my whole time at Moton. But, uh, you know, that was that was my mom, and, you know, that was the thing my mom done, you know, sheltered you, took you out of, snatched you right out of harm way. And, you know, I, 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 never, I know she never understood the streets like my daddy understood the streets. Okay, so here's my dad. We were a younger. Damn, we had to be, this had to be about every. Every had to be about ten. I had to be about six years old, sitting on the side of the house, right there on uh, Abundance Street. Not even our apartment. Not on our apartment, because our apartment faced down the driveway. You could look down the driveway from our bedroom windows, and you know the, we was on the other side of the apartment because it was a four building apartment, thirty six ten, and uh, just sitting there and playing. Not even playing, just sitting there. I think it was a Sunday, just got off of church, chill it. And just hanging out in the sun, you know, waiting for dinner. And, uh, or maybe even had ate dinner. And, uh, it, it, it had to be about a little older, because I believe it was 12. It had to be 12 or 13, 12 maybe. And, because they had this boy, MacArthur. For some reason, everyone was scared of MacArthur. I think MacArthur probably was after his ass teasing him or fuck with him for Anna, because Anna was right under him, and he probably was sweet on Anna, you know, back there. That motherfucker's old guy. But anyway, MacArthur was had a little—I don't even know if he had a reputation back then, but he was known as one of the bad boys back then, and. uh he uh liked Anna. <laughs> Fucking bad combination for your brother. If your brother <laughs> didn't like you. And uh or either if Anna wasn't allowed to like him, so he gonna harass, you know. You know, you tell him. But anyway, one day back all the time, it had to be a couple of years older than never. Was running up there, coming through that cut. We see him coming through that cut towards Abundant Street, down the driveway. And halfway uh, uh, through that court, every get up, and back off to start running. Every get up and start running to the damn uh, kitchen door, up to, to the kitchen steps. And by the time he got to the top of those maybe eight steps, 
grabbing that metal railing going. I was following him. I'm like, what the fuck is he running from? And I hear McNaughton, somebody hollering behind us. So I kind of stopped and looked. And every hit that was about to hit that door, that fucking door flew open. It was my daddy standing up there. Every damn near ran into him and backed up. He said, who in the fuck you running from that boy there? Every day he say shit. <laughs> he said, boy, if I ever catch you running from some fucking body. And by that time, MacArthur made it to the porch. He said, come here, Everett. Bring your ass down here. I dad said, look, I'm going to tell you one time. You better leave him the fuck alone. He said, fuck you. I said, okay, wait. You stay right there. Daddy went in the hall. Everyone was following. He said, don't you dare. You better stay your ass right there. My daddy walked in that house. That damn little metal door closed by. Damn, they shook the house. Felt like. And I was standing down on the steps at the bottom of the steps, you know, because I was like in between MacArthur, Everett, and my daddy. And Mike, you know, Mike, I told my daddy, fuck you. You didn't even talk to no adult like that back then. But uh, daddy came out that house. After a couple of seconds, you hear him rattling. You know, in the drawer, the kitchen drawer. The tool drawer, what the fuck? Come back out there with a big old rusty butcher knife. Say, if I ever see you running again, more, uh, uh, ever, I'm going to kick ass. You will not run from no fucking body. Not like that. Uh-uh. No. He said, now you take your brother with you. Go sit around on that porch. On around on the side where you were. I don't want to see your ass. Take this knife. Anybody fuck with you, you better stab him. After you stab him, then you come to me. You hear the coyotes? Damn, coyotes going on. But anyway, that was the difference between my mom, my dad and my mom. I got to stop right now. Damn coyotes outside. Dog won't go outside. Pretty girl won't go outside. Anyway, but that was the difference between my mom and my dad. Uh, mama, you know, sheltered, believe in God and Jesus, believe everything gonna take care of, just go say a prayer and shit. Hell, ever became violent and saying prayers. But was an altar boy too. I wasn't. But um my daddy, you know, he was a uh, extraordinary man. He's uh, I remember doing Betsy, you know, him and the other men got together and went and um, emptied the Delta store and bought food to all the families around there. After the flood was up there, uh, so high for so many days, and they even had to cross the canal growing there, you know, and I didn't even know until then my dad knew how to swim. My dad took us fishing one time. My dad used to take us every fucking where, uh, me and every, you know, trying to set a good example. My first job was with my dad. 
polishing his shoes <laughs> and his boots. You know, one thing you didn't do was fuck up my dad's shoes. And, uh, you know, he would pay us. He showed you how to polish his shoes. Uh, you didn't put no uh, liquid wax on it. You put fucking uh, paste wax on it. He showed you how to do it. And he knew if you put liquid on it, then fuck. Because liquid tear them or have them start cracking. And, but he knew if you put it on there and try to pass it off. But that was one of the things. And he would pay you to uh, do his shoes. And, you know, just his, his work boots and no shoes. I think he had one pair of shoes, boots. And he sometimes, if you did a good job, he'd come back to you the next time. Here, do my shoes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my dad was great, though. Uh, if you ever needed money in school for, like, a trip, uh, would leave him notes. <laughs> and uh, say, I need money on this such a date. You know, usually it was a dollar, two dollars. I mean, that was a lot of money back then for a fucking poor family. And we were struggling to raise 11 children. And then had his shit on the side. But, you know, he uh, most time, nine times out of ten came through. You know, and uh, if he didn't, you didn't ask him about it. And, you know, and I think that was when my mom took the money, you know, really. Because all this shit. You know, sometimes that, you know, you just didn't get money. But, you know, I know. You know, that was one of the things, you know, we used to do, leave little notes that, that love you, ask them for that shit, love you, and, uh, you know, you leave it, you know, leave it right there with the note, love you too, but yeah, that was, that was my dad, and, uh, you know, it's just, you know, like he was a truck driver, you take me and my brother on the road, on this little short distance with him, um, God, it was like music being in that big loud truck with the low break in the concrete. Back then, you know, fuck, wasn't nothing power steering. None of the damn thing was power steering. It was, um, shit. <laughs> Manpower. You know, the brakes, power, you know, what you had to, wasn't no power brakes, wasn't no power steering, wasn't no automatic transmission, no hydrostatic transmission. It was a fucking machine that was manually driven. And I mean, you know, they imagine some of them had, most of them was driving that shit, shifting shit. And some of the stories my dad would use to come home, boy, I thought he was Superman. He'd drive it down this road and his truck slid off and overturned and you came home. He would come home, tell about the fights. He would bring li uh, uh, live shit home. He would be out in the country on his road, run across some alligators and bought some fucking live baby alligators. <laughs> One split my finger. Ass old brother of mine said, touch him on his nose. The damn thing hit my finger, grabbed my finger to my fucking knuckle. The, not the first knuckle, the fucking knuckle right before your hand. And pulled my hand and, and the fucking thing split my fucking hand. Sharp little teeth. 
my dad didn't bought home ducks, chicken, baby duck, baby chicken, you know, he just, shit, he was the shit, you know, and uh, I'm sure he got a lot of that by way of hustling and stuff, I mean, on his route and doing, not doing things, but, you know, as, you know, out there in the country, how much them chickens, instead of being in the city paying a dollar for them, hell, they paid 10 cents for them out there where they actually bought them to bring them to the city. <laughs> and I'm sure he made a little hustle that way too. But, you know, um, he uh, he took us fishing. He took the whole family fishing one time. And um, he loaded us up in that truck. Now, it wasn't always 11 of us, but fuck, it wasn't seem like it was. And not the truck in the uh, Chrysler. Yeah, I think it was one of the last time we all were in the Chrysler together. And went to one of them lakes out up on uh, Paris Road where you could stand offshore. It used to be like a little, little spots where you could stand offshore. It's not too far from the highway. That's when Paris Road was just like a rough road back then. And it was a highway but wasn't like... A damn, uh, a good highway. It was like one of them roads that was a, a cutoff. Oh, a uh, shortcut or something, you know. And went back to the bridge, too. But we, I, yeah, maybe the ferry. Nah, nah, it was a bridge. But we had, uh, we would go back there and it would take us different places fishing. It used to take us to the lake just to hang out. Uh, but took us out there to fish and had our cane poles and stuff strapped to the top of the car. And we uh, took us out there fishing on the land, you know, and we didn't caught this fish. And we even caught an eel. Somebody caught an eel. And we didn't catch much else. But, you know, it was just not something he did to take, you know, his family out, you know, because he, he did that. So we ended up uh, putting that eel, <laughs> eel in the paper bag. You know, we ain't had the luxury of no goddamn fish basket or nothing. And, uh, you know, most of us piled in the back of the bus, I mean, the car. The children, mom and dad was in the front, maybe one of the kids in the middle and somebody on mama lap, you know. And uh, we going home and this damn thing <laughs> started moving in the bag. And nobody, everybody thought it was dead and just moving in the end and them girls started howling. My daddy get pissed off. And they just said, hey, I'll let my daddy pull that fucking car over and just threw it away. Started out there and just threw that fucking thing away. Or had every do it. And then we just got on our way again. And then, uh, you know, that was the kind of person we was. And going through Araby, uh, St. Bernard Parish, going back home, we, um, I don't even know if we went out to Paris Road through Araby, because I'm sure we probably avoided Araby. My daddy didn't take us in Araby for no reason, or St. Bernard Parish. I don't, I can't see a reason we went back there. Uh, he didn't allow us to go back there. Just like when we were young, he didn't allow us to go on Bourbon Street. You, you know, you wasn't going on Bourbon Street and do no fucking tap dance. Closest you got to Bourbon Street was being on the bus or doing Mardi Gras when you snuck a visit out there, but. And when I was with Everett, you know. But, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was Daddy. And, you know, he, uh, I uh, went, you know, he was the one I, uh, 
spoke to him in depth when I was on them rocks, you know, and, you know, he didn't come down on me. He said, boy, you know, you know what you got to do, Maurice. You know what you got to do, bro. You know what you got to do. So go ahead and handle your business. Ain't nobody going to be mad with you or nothing. Just go ahead and get off that shit like you need to. Get on. And, uh, you know, it was it was soon after that I, you know, you know, I, I got off. It was about six months or so later I really got off there. But I had to let him know, you know, and I, letting him know showed me. Because, you know, the thing is, uh, my dad had only certain rules. You know, he only had a few rules for his children. Don't steal, don't get out there fucked up on no drugs, and come around here, and don't uh, kill nobody. Don't go to jail for nothing. You know, don't go to jail for something stupid. So the thing was, what are you doing? The thing was, uh, I just knew I was disappointing him. And when I told him, I knew that was something. That was it. If that's anything. And it took me a minute, but uh, yeah, that's, you know, because when I was about to commit the robbery, you know, that's who I thought of. And uh, so, you know, from... Uh, but, you know, me and my dad, used, we spent a lot of time together. And like I say, I used to, when I was working for myself, I had him. I would always go around and see him maybe once, twice a week when I was, anytime. I mean, you know, my wives loved my dad because he always <laughs> made him feel comfortable. He always, you know, never mistook one for the other. Uh, he always had no nicknames for him. Uh, Lillian was the nurse. Uh, I think Angela was uh, the traveler. Uh, Joan was the hustler. Not not the in a sense a hustler, but you know Joan Joan worked. Joan knew her shit. Joan uh, put some shit together in a minute, make some money, and that's what Joan was. Uh, she was uh not no I wouldn't say stone hustler, but Joan you know took care of herself. But it's not about her. It's not about none of them. It's about daddy. But, uh, you know, after I had uh, conquered them drugs, I had uh, went to work in the French Quarter. I mean, you know, in the quarters and everything. And I, you know, kept up with my dad. You know, we still went fishing, still did a lot. He loved to race horse tracks, you know. And that's what I remember as a kid, you know. He used to get the newspaper all the time. We used to send you to the store to get him a newspaper, a pack of cigarettes. You know, back then they sold you a fucking pack of cigarettes when you're 10 years old. And then they even bother about ID and or exit for a fucking note. But that in the newspaper, the state's item, picking unions was the daytime, state's item was at night. State's item has the horse race results in the uh, lineup for the next day at the fairgrounds. So my dad played the horse. He even played them, in, he played them when he didn't play them. But uh, he knew a lot of people who would call him, make him who he favored, because he was pretty good at it. And they would play the horse, you know, if he asked him the favor, he'd say, well, you're going to put me a bet down? And yeah, 
and they would put two dollars down for him, or however much he would, you know, he wouldn't. I don't know if he charged, but yeah, that was one of his hustles too. And uh, but the thing is, he showed me how to uh, uh, read the paper. He is low handicap was in handicap, um, and he showed me the different signs. For it. And I'm like, God damn! And, and you know, actually, if you took the time, you pretty much would calculate. Uh, in some some of the races, so it was somewhat of a, a place where they did handicapping, in in that as opposed to uh, handicapping and thing. And then he knew about the jockeys, and he explained it all to me. And he, we we used to go to the tracks. Uh, uh, no, he he'd make a bet for you. He said, "I got this hot horse." I said, "You need some money. You give him that money, you go." do his thing, you know, he'd come back and tell you if he won or lost. I mean, it is when you're grown. He never asked us for shit when we were young. But uh, he, uh, you know, he was pretty fucking good. He never put no whole lot of money on it. But then one time, you know, when we were kids, he came home with a fucking bunch of money. We was in the green for a while. Uh... But yeah, he he played the horses. He loved the horses, and I went out there with him as, once when I got older and lost all my money till that last race. And he told me what the place. Hey, now you gonna listen to me? <laughs> Played that horse, won my money, and said, "Ooh, no more for me." And I actually stopped going to tracks until I started going with Lillian up in uh, Santa Anita down went to the dog tracks with her up there too. It's in Arizona. I said, I need to down up in California. That was down the street from my aunt. See there? <laughs> that reminiscence shit. Fuck, I done been everywhere. And I've been to Kentucky Derby. Um, I'm not sure if I played a horse, but me and Lillian used to go ride and go to different tracks to say we played on like the Preakness and different things tracks, but we I don't think we ever went to North Jersey, but I'm talking about down south. I've been to Kentucky Derby with somebody or Churchill Down. I have been there. Um, but Santa Anita Down, um, that one was in, uh, that one's in California. Um, and also there's this other one that we went to in California. But in in in, in uh, um, Phoenix was the dog tracks, so uh, and I just I just couldn't get into the dogs. Though they was good sport, I just couldn't get into. It. And at the dog tracks, they had uh, and they also had a racetrack out there at uh, what the fucking paradise. My, my dad took him out there a couple of times, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, everything about my dad I like because even when I was in the service, I went to Rio Dosa down, shot those horses, race, you know, bet on some of those. They ain't win worth the fuck. But he always tell you how to look at the horse. You got to look at it. Look at his hind. That hind, the right size, right shape. And look at his mouth. If he's foaming at the mouth, da, da, da. all that he put together, shit, if he was a fucking mathematician. And up all this shit together. So, you know, my dad, he was my daddy. I know, you know, everybody bias about the dad, uh, especially if you love him, love him to death. And, you know, he, uh, 
you know, when it was time for me to actually leave New Orleans, you know, he, uh, God, I was working in the French Court, and uh, it was when I first was planning on leaving, going to Alaska, check out what the work situation was. By working in New Orleans, you know, I was going to either have to do four months of uh, sitting around waiting for Jazz Fest, let Jazz Fest hit, then it's going to get slow again until, you know, whenever. So, or either go out there and look for some work, you know, up in the fishing industry or in that oil cleanup was supposed to be money. So uh, I wanted to go, I wanted to go, but, you know, I really, my dad had them retired by then, you know, and I, because he had then got sick and uh, had a stroke or something. Well, he years fucking years after that. But uh, I wanted to leave, and I sat there and talked with him one day, you know, and said, you know, I'm thinking about going to Alaska. He said, wow, really, you know. And, you know, like telling mama, she said, what, all the way up there, all the way there? Where's that? How you get there? My dad, like, really, wow, cool. That's good, man. I said, I don't know if I want to go. He said, why? I said, I don't know if I can leave you, bro. I don't know if I can trust him to take care of you. He said, man, fuck that. I can take care of myself. You better go out there and live your life. I'm like, you sure? He said, boy, go out there. Do that. Go there. And it was solid, you know. Uh, after that Mardi Gras, last Mardi Gras in New Orleans, that was, what, 92? 93, 93 just hit. And we had, uh, Michael and I just headed off to Alaska. Boom, boom, boom. I stayed in contact with my dad all the time. All the time. And that's when I first started telling him I love you. And that's when he first started telling me it back. You know, and we, you know, I'd talk to him, you know, Daddy Ron, if he wasn't Ron, I'm like, fuck. So, you know, talk to mom and then, you know. Sometimes she just wouldn't let me talk to her, I found out. But anyway, I uh, worked around, traveled around and everything else, but I always went back home to see my dad. Uh, I always sent him a present, you know, remembered his birthday, called him on his birthday, January the 21st. Um, and, you know, we stayed close. We stayed very close, and uh, it was... Uh, he came to visit, and I didn't even want to let him uh, go. I didn't even want to let him go. I'm looking out the window at the coyote. Oh, if there's coyotes there, the dogs think there's some out there. We heard them early, so she been up since. But we, uh, he came out there to visit. I didn't even want him to come back. And he stayed out there a couple of months, you know, and finally he came back, missed home. And then uh, I was still in Phoenix. And it was in Phoenix when he, uh, I've noticed he was really, really sick. What you doing, pretty?
So he went back home and then, uh, uh, you know, 9-11, everything else hit. And then uh, it was a couple of months before Katrina that he, uh, leave it. A couple of months before Katrina that he uh, died. And when he died, I, uh, God, oh, fuck, it took me. I didn't even cry. I couldn't cry. I didn't know how to cry. Because death, you know, it never come that fucking close. None of my siblings or anything had died, you know. It just didn't touch my family. I mean, you know, the connecting family, cousins and stuff, yeah, some of them died, but not a whole lot of them. Aunties, they started dying and stuff. But when, you know, daddy died, it was like, fuck. And I didn't, it's not that I didn't show emotion. The thing was, my emotion was, I, I, I stopped. Time pretty much stopped. I went, you know, my routine was like I cooked. I cooked at home. I mean, we took turns cooking, me and Lillian. And uh, I, I, I cooked because I knew how to cook because of my dad. And I enjoyed cooking because of my dad. I, you know, I liked that performing, that magic in the kitchen. I mean, you know, cooking while somebody's sitting there having conversation with you, you know, and, you know, even if they're in the other room, you know, you're standing up there at the door while they're sitting there and you're talking about their day as you're preparing this meal or cooking this meal. And, uh, you know, you're performing that magic. And uh, I... Um, Went to the kitchen the next day, maybe after hearing it, because I'm, I'm sure Lillian, you know, went to Garcia's or something, and we ate that that night, if I ate. Uh, and um, I uh, tried to step up the next day, you know, with a regular routine, because I, you know, had to make plans, told them I'm not coming to work. You know, I'm uh, going home, and maybe I didn't even cook. Didn't even try to cook. Then I didn't. I didn't have. If I remember right, you know, it was I made plans and I was home, in uh, two days. You know, we drove, you know, sixteen hours from Phoenix, Arizona, to New Orleans. You know, I had a, rented a car. You know, and uh, went to the funeral and stuff, and uh, spent some time there with my family, maybe an extra few days, and then you know. Saw that my dad was buried. It was nice, you know, my cousin them. I mean, my cousin, my niece, Helen children, fucking, who else children was there? Karen children, you know, uh, Melba children, daughters, you know, they got this little clique going on among them instead of, like, your cousin, because we were close to our cousins. We were close to all our cousins, except the ones that they didn't want us to know. Not that daddy didn't want us to know. We didn't know because daddy didn't. And we knew them only when they went by Ida. You know, and daddy had no problem with them. He just had a problem with their brother. Oh, his brother. But it, we uh, buried them. And then I came back to Phoenix. So I went back to Phoenix and um, went back to work and stuff because I'm sure didn't do anything. Uh, went back to work and I 
you know, came home, tried to fall into our regular routine, and I went in the kitchen and I uh, tried to cook. And I always kept a picture of my daddy in the kitchen, right on the cabinet. That was my cooking inspiration anyway. I mean, because I took what he taught me in the kitchen and I cooked across the country. Fucking ran restaurants, you understand? Not no high-class restaurants, but ran, a restu- ran restaurants and didn't kill no fucking body. Well, not with food you know, or any other way. But, you know, so, you know, I kept a picture of him up there. I've done a little bit of everything, so cooking is just one of them, you know. Managing restaurants is just one of them, you know. I once I start working in something like I started as a bus boy, you know, and I wanted to work in every fucking thing in the kitchen. I want to see how this shit run. And a lot of it you don't want to see how it's run after you see how it's run. Like, oh, fuck no, I don't want to be in that part of it, especially some type of restaurant. But anyway, uh, when my dad came out to Phoenix, you know, he visited me, you know, I brought him down to the place I was uh, working at, Alice Cooper. And, you know, by that time I was uh, somewhat leading in the uh, back, you know, and uh, had lead and you know, I was leading, you know, we was getting ready for a happy hour, different thing, or, and I, I'd go home, but I was in the day shift. And uh, my dad, I brought him there one time to uh, visit. We used to go downtown to the uh, game, because Lillian, at her job, she worked at cardiovascular in Scottsdale, you know, fucking, she was an excellent fucking nurse. <laughs> Yeah, I, I married a fucking nurse, but you know that was she was a wicked smart fucking woman, and she is. I'm sorry, was she is, and she worked at this specialty clinic, cardiovascular uh, nursing. She was good at her job. People loved at her job, and one of the people, you know, in Scottsdale, they weren't in Scottsdale, but they was uh owner of the team, part, the Diamondback, part owner of the uh, minor league team in Mexico. And they was fucking big money. They was, I think, Mexicans, too. They would give us tickets to the games. We would go to the fucking uh, Phoenix Suns game. He, I bought them there to the Diamondback game. We'd even go to the fucking hockey games, you know. And, uh, I, shit, I, we showed him a good time. And I, you know, he enjoyed himself, you know, uh, out there. And that man there is, he is my inspiration for everything, you know. Uh, he is my inspiration to keep on living and not just live, see things as I live. So when he died, you know, it was, uh, it was hard and, Though I didn't cry, I did grieve, and I grieved hard. And after he died, shit, Katrina came along. And whoa, it's like my world was really fucked up then. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was things I did after Katrina happened that uh, I did only because I knew my dad would have done it, and he didn't do it. So somebody had to step up to it. So anyway, that's my daddy. And uh, I'm just so glad he had me and loved me. You know, 
because you know when someone loves you. Uh, and he loved us all until you showed him. And that, that was the reason why I pretty much kept my shit straight uh, because, you know, that was one of the things I never wanted to lose, that father love, you know. And um, though he didn't whip us, or don't think he didn't whip us, but he, I never caught a whipping. I caught a couple of whippings from my mom, but I was one of them kids who used to, like I said, I watched him and knew what disappointed him, and it was just something. Don't think I was a good kid now. And I mean, I wasn't bad, but I didn't do a lot of dumb shit where I could get caught. And I didn't, especially didn't do a lot of dumb shit that I knew even if I didn't get caught, I might get caught or something might happen, something might happen, and he find out. And then, you know, you still lose that love, that daddy love. Because I, uh, my my brother, he uh, called himself, uh, you know, going to summer school. And that's, you know, he didn't go to call himself. He had to go to summer school uh, or not or fail. Mama said send him to summer school. Dad said, fuck him. <laughs> he had a whole nine months to do this shit. Fuck him, I'm not paying for this. You know, Mama won. So anyway, while he going to summer school, he off track, walking to summer school instead of catching the bus, going over the Gowers Bridge, walk across the tr uh, uh, train track part, see somebody down there, drop a fucking bottle, bust the people in the head, and run down the bridge. Police pick him up, you know, they rat his ass out. He go to fucking youth study center, and my daddy would not see him. Would bring my mama there, sit in the car, and mama was just fucking so mad that he just sat in the car and couldn't believe it. So daddy said, "I told you, I'm not going to see nobody. Y'all go to fucking jail. That's y'all there." The mama said, "You know." So okay, he go went in there and see them. Daddy's <laughs> mama say he sat there and he tell him nothing. And when he said something, she had to, you know, gave my daddy a Bible. She just put the Bible on the table and <laughs> slid it up. Here's something to read. <laughs> and again, I don't know if my daddy believed in the Bible or anything. Again, he didn't go to church. <laughs> uh, I never saw him pray. My son never saw him on his knees pray. I never saw him pray before his meal <laughs> like we were made to do. Church was more a mama thing, you know, and that's, I'm not saying my mom and my daddy was completely opposite, but they were kind of opposite. And, you know, uh, out of the strong wheels, my mom, I guess her wheel was strong because, you know, she put up a fucking long fuss. <laughs> and my daddy just sometimes wanted to go to fucking sleep. Rose, you let me sleep, fuck. But, you know, he, uh, I'm sure... I know he loved us, and uh, he loved us until he saw reason not to love. Uh, he, shit, he's the one who told me about people, you know. Uh, everybody who said that your friend ain't your fucking friend. Run. Uh, you know, family, family just people. So be careful of family. They be the first to fuck over you. <laughs> like, really? Yep. And don't trust shit, your oldest brother. He a dirty motherfucker. <laughs> that was that. But, you know, mostly he didn't talk about us. He was, uh, 
he was uh, guarded of his children. Uh, he wasn't sheltering. He was guarded. I mean, he made sure we had what it took to go out there and stand up and uh, be part of the world without being destroyed by the world, hopefully anyway, or not let the world destroy you because, I mean, he knew that was uh, given. Uh, so I think I better end this now, and I could go on and on and on with the stories. Uh, okay, I got one more story about that is short one. I'm make it short one. It's a fishing trip we was on. Um, he took us to New Iberia somewhere where he uh, was raised. We was, I think, Lake Iberia somewhere. And not Iberia. What was that name of the place? It's in New Iberia. Fuck. Anyway, we was out there fishing in the on the boat, in the boat, he took us on a little boat, they had a little mold and stuff, had our life vessel on and stuff, and it started raining. Oh, fuck. It opened up and dumped shit. I mean, the boat was filling up. I, the only thing that scared me wasn't the rain, was the lightning. I mean, the lightning, like it was right there. Boom, boom. I ain't never knew water could shake. <laughs> so the light is just going crazy. And I, um, fuck. My daddy told me, get down, get down, get down on the, a little bit more in the, in the boat. And he had every bale in the boat, you know, because it was wet. And the fucking motor got wet and couldn't go. So, you know, my daddy got the paddle. You know, and trying to get us to shore, this fucking lightning just gone. Boom, boom, And it was a short storm. It passed before we even made it to fucking shore. But they don't even know I pissed on myself. I pissed. I literally pissed. And it was so comforting, that warm piss running down my leg. I'm like, oh, and despite that lightning thunder that I mean my eyes were shut but I could still see the light boom every time the flash I saw it you know and I was just scared until that warm piss ran down my leg and after that warm feeling was gone I was back again but I finally passed and uh I remember, you know, <laughs> my dad, uh, you know, we got finally got the boat after the sun came. I mean, we were still out in the water. We had the little paddle, and one of the fucking paddles fell, too. And uh, we uh, was out there, still out there. The sun came out, finally got the motor dry or whatever, you know, he took his tools, took that spark plug, took it out, cleaned it up, <laughs> made sure he pulled everything, you know, it was boom, finally got that little thing started, we back to shore, and, but before we went back to shore, every that, um, pissed, every was standing up, my dad told him, <laughs> he said, I gotta pee, he said, stand up, stand up and pee in the water. <laughs> they just so happened another boat was coming. Every stand up and point towards the boy. He said, Every why would you stand up there? Like a fool and plead with the people looking right at it. 
<laughs> and my daddy was upset with him, you know, and then, you know, he 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 standing up my daddy telling him. My, see my daddy don't tell you nothing more than once. That was the type of person he was. I, if I got to tell you something twice, that's cool. If I got to tell you three times, something fucking wrong with you. <laughs> so, you know, you, you steady yourself like this. I was able to do it. But anyway, he uh stand up there boat wobbling, you know, mad about that because now everybody's like showing his ass. You know, everybody got to be that kid. You know, once my daddy started talking and showing attention to me, you know, like showing me about the fishing and stuff, about the motor, because I, I always ask questions. You know, they go ever. So uh, he uh, told him, just bail out the boat. And I'm like, I always thought, you know, that, you know, the water he's bailing out that boat was my little P2. And I finally told him years, him <laughs> and my dad, years later, we were sitting on the porch right there at uh, 1401 Desalon, sitting on that porch and, uh, I told them both that, you know, had them laughing their ass off. I said, boy, I just wanted to tell you that years and years ago. Okay, I think I got time for one more. When my dad called him a big-eyed, and this is the type of person my dad was. He teach a lesson. Now, he, he made his own pickles, or he made us pickles, and he jarred them, you know, had them sitting up there, and fucking we wouldn't wait forever looking at them pickles shrivel up, turning green and shit. And, uh... So finally come the day to open up that gallon joint, give everybody a pickle. And sometimes it was various size, but mostly they were the same size. And every, you know, I always used to be the first one to run up there, and my dad would give him the pickle. So <laughs> a little pickle came out. Every didn't want it. Next one came up and got it. Another one. Every backed up again. Big one come up. Every stepped up. My dad, No. <laughs> he gave everybody pickles. When they came to every went down there, it wasn't hardly, well, it was still pickles in the jar, but he could see better. It was a little bitty pickle. He got that pickle <laughs> and gave it to him. And this was my daddy. He used to make us laugh with these lessons. <laughs> he didn't want to take it. He said, you better take it or you will never get another pickle. <laughs> And we laughed, but we knew the lesson you take was coming to you as I give it to you. If you dare take it, don't don't be shuffling nobody else around. And that was a very valuable lesson, you know. Don't uh, sidestep things. Take it. And you deal with it <laughs> as it comes. <laughs> so, but I knew it. That was, you know, my dad. And um, God damn, I'm, I'm tickled to death. And I'm surprised it's so late and I'm still talking. But, uh, you know, he uh, he was good. He was good to not just me. He was good to everybody who was actually worth being good to. And, uh, you know, that's what I try to do, just be uh, good to people who, you know, don't try to judge me, you know, just because you think you know me. Because you don't, you know, I've been far and wide and seen a lot in there, a lot of experience. I mean, worthwhile experience anyway, I think. But anyway, uh, that's it. And that's uh, my daddy's song. Later. Love you, Dad.